0: In this episode, I'll be discussing intonation with William, our moderator on Discord. We'll explore how Spanish and Catalan differ from English when it comes to asking questions and the misunderstandings that can arise as a result. We'll also touch on how we perceive people based on their accents and how intonation plays a crucial role in nonverbal communication. It's a fascinating interview. I'm Bianca, your personal American accent coach, and I'm here to help you master an American accent in English because your voice is your choice when it comes to how you sound. I try to release a podcast episode uh, every two weeks. And so you should really subscribe to whatever podcast platform you use so that you don't miss the newest episode. And By the way, if you want to see the full video of the episode, it's available at Accent Coach Bianca on YouTube. Now, let's get on with the show. Okay, so what are we talking about today? I'm thinking like advanced intonation. Let's start with this. Why don't you tell me how you conceptualize basic intonation in let's say Catalan and or Spanish versus English. Like how do we do questions differently? Let's say in our intonation, in our pitch Hmm. in general, what's the difference in intonation patterns between let's say Catalan and or Spanish, if there are any differences, versus in English, when we're asking questions.
1: Something I noticed is that both Catalan and uh, Spanish are syllable-stressed languages. So when you ask a question, usually the intonation changes. And this is what conveys, what I'm saying is actually a question. And more or less, they work the same. In English, we could say you the same thing. For instance, now I'm just uh, saying statements. Do you think? And that is a question. So I changed the pitch. And what I noticed is that even if the uh, idea is the same, how it's actually done differs. For instance, I have, may ask a question with the uh, intonation that I think it's appropriate, or borrowing from my native language. Mm-hmm. But for English, this conveys a different idea that, oh, it's rhetorical. I'm not waiting for an answer, which is not my intention. It just happened that in English, this is what happens. And I noticed that at some meetings with people. Mm-hmm. That they did <laughs> something those was there. are Yeah, <laughs> those awkward situations that yeah. they are talking over because they uh-huh. thought I wanted an answer when I didn't, or the opposite, <laughs> right? And, uh-huh. Oh, you're so sarcastic,
0: uh-huh. or so,
1: how called? The opposite like of flat. welcoming. Like unfriendly. Unfriendly. No, unfriendly.
0: Yeah, unapproachable. I,
1: yeah, when doing my YouTube videos, because when I introduce the video, usually I ask some questions, and some people. That doesn't know me. Watch the video, and oh, it's like he's angry. Uh-huh. Uh, he's he's uh-huh. trying to lecture me or whatever. Uh-huh. And clearly, and that was perhaps, never your intention. And it was never my intention. It was the opposite intention. And <laughs> then some other person from an, perhaps a different native language is oh, that's very friendly. Totally. And he totally cool. realized oh, perhaps when asking questions, intonation is super important. Just when us oh yeah, people will get it's a question. Yes. Right. They'd get this a question, it's not a statement, mm. but the intention it's totally lost in.: mm-hmm. translation.
0: Just yesterday, I was talking to somebody, yeah. another coach, and he said, "In Spanish, he's from Guatemala. We always go up at the end of a question. And I thought, maybe that's true. It doesn't matter if it's rhetorical or sarcastic or a genuine question. Maybe in Spanish, hmm. that's true. Is that your experience in Spanish? And is it the same in Catalan?
1: Yeah. What happens in Spanish, that there are many regions of Spanish. I'm not an expert, but I will say that most of the time, you just go up. It will be my default. That's why at the beginning, when you ask me in English, how you ask questions, up or down is up, because for me, <laughs> it's the default.
0: Obviously, yes. All kinds of questions. For example, in Spanish, let's think about a yes-no hmm. question in Spanish. A WH. Question in Spanish. And also, I guess that would be a QU question in Spanish, but uh, an open question, let's say. And then let's make it a rhetorical question. Let me give you an example. So in English, let's pick a topic. I would say, I want to see what you were up to last night. In English, I'm going to have three things. Let's say a real question, an interrogative question. I'm looking for an answer here. Mm. I would say, Oh, where did you go last night? Where? I'm going to go up on the, where did you go last night? And I'm going to go down. And that doesn't go up, right? That's a different pattern, but that's a real question. I'm looking for information from you and I'm expecting an answer. But another question I might ask in English is, let's say this happened to me yesterday. My roommate left suddenly and he never says goodbye. And I thought, oh, he went down the street to get some tortillas or some cheese or something. But he didn't come back. He didn't come back until almost midnight. And that's weird. And so I was a little bit worried. And so at first, I would have asked him, did you go get tortillas? I would go up that because I'm looking for yes or no. But then later in the day, I know he didn't go get tortillas because it didn't take three hours for him to go get tortillas. So that's a rhetorical question. And then I realized it was his father's birthday. And then I realized, oh, he must have gone to his parents' house, which is really far away. So I realized that's what took so long. So I I knew in my mind, I knew the answer, but I wanted to confirm that a little bit. So I wanted a a, a yes. But I also wanted him to know that I was pretty sure that was the answer. So I said, oh, did you go to your parents' house? Did you, did you go to your parents' house? So I did that little hook at the mm-hmm. end. So in English, there's three questions that I just gave you. One was a, one, one was a WH question, one was a yes-no question, and one was a yes-no, but it was a rhetorical question. Hmm. And I can take that WH question, too. Where did you go last night? Wink, for example, if I knew you went out and did something. Then hmm. I can take those same two questions and turn them into rhetorical. And they sound completely different. My question is, does that happen in Spanish? Or is it always just...
1: I think the difference is more subtle. Mm. Because since it's already syllable stress, you have less freedom of the make it slower, the timing of mm. and emphasize mm. this. And usually you just keep the same tone or go up. But yeah, as a native, I, I get it when it's meant to be sarcastic. Oh. But it also happen that sometimes with different regions of Spanish, some people will get sarcasm mm. when well, it's not intended, mm. just because we speak different regions.
0: That's super interesting to me. So yeah. if I were speaking any Spanish, I would have a hard time conveying the fact that I wanted to be sarcastic. I would have a harder time doing that because I'm squeezed into a smaller box. Because you have limitations on your syllable stress and your rhythm because of how the language is. So already I've got to be more subtle in Spanish. And if I go to a different area or a different region, even if I do it perfectly in region number one, if I go in region number two, I'm not going to pull off the same kind of response, let's say, that I'm trying to get. Cool. Yeah. So
1: my brain, it's already used to do this hook for the mm-hmm. question, mm-hmm. what happens when you speak English that I use the same hook, which happens to be that also exists, but for one specific purpose. It's not for every case.
0: Mm-hmm. It was, you didn't have as much variety, I think, in your pocket. And you didn't have yeah. as many possible choices that you were aware of. Yeah.
1: And what strikes to me is asking questions going down. It feels unnatural.
0: Okay. It feels unnatural for you to go down. Do you think that's because of the intonation? Or do you think that's because you normally speak at quite a low baseline, so it's just harder to get down there?
1: No, I think it's just cultural. I'm used to always go up and do the hook. Okay.
0: So you have to make yeah. it like, let's say, a conscious choice. And you have to think about it in advance and say, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go down here huh that's interesting do you remember any times or can you tell me a time where you had to think about it on purpose maybe while you were making a video or while you were doing an interview or anything
1: yes for instance i also have a podcast first what i did when i learned about this how to properly ask questions is Mm -hmm. let me rewatch what i have done until now and then from now on let me pay more attention and it's okay in this case i really want the guest to elaborate an answer, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I want to convey that I already know that. I just do it for the audience because perhaps he's introducing a concept that we cannot take for granted that Mm -hmm. everyone in the audience may know. So instead of asking, oh, what is this? I have no clue. What is this but for the audience without explicitly saying it's for the audience?
0: You're almost pretending, right? You're almost faking it because there's a different purpose there. That's a good point. What you're talking about is rhetorical purpose or rhetorical Function. What is the function or the purpose of this question? Like you said, maybe it's because you, the person, wants to know, or maybe you're using that to show, hey, our audience doesn't know this, even though I know this. So you're going to say it in a more subtle way. You're still asking and you're still expecting a response, but you want them to know that it's maybe the response is for someone else and you're speaking on their behalf.
1: Yeah, precisely.
0: So let's keep going with this. You've got one purpose or function. Can you tell us another time where you thought this question needs to do a different job? For example, like introducing. I'm going to ask a question, but it's not really a question.
1: Oh, yeah. You mean to introduce the guest or to use a topic?
0: For everything. Yeah. You can use a question to just introduce a guest, to introduce a topic. And those might be different. But the point is. What's the verb I'm introducing? My question has a job, the oh, job is to introduce. Yeah,
1: I would say I do this more for the YouTube videos because the videos I do are, mo- most of the time, are how-tos and mm-hmm, tutorials. Mm-hmm. So I just introduce, do you have this problem? Or did you know this, did you know that? I don't know if you know this or not. I mm-hmm. cannot take this for granted, mm-hmm. but I use it as a hook. That, oh, yeah, I asked this question, and if you want the answer, watch the video? Ah, yeah, exactly.
0: This is a fish. And it's in the form of a question. Grammatically, it's a question, but it's the purpose behind it is to get generate interest in your listener or watcher.
1: Ah, uh, exactly. And I want to convey that with the tone, with the mm-hmm. intonation. First, I know how to do it, and I'm going to show how to do it during the video.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Not only... Am I getting you interested? But I'm telling you something. I'm telling you with my question that I'm going to do something later. So you're almost creating an outline with that. Yes. And I like what you mentioned about I'm doing a solo video where I can't see the audience. I can't see their reactions. They're definitely not going to answer me right now. Yeah. versus I'm doing a, an interview for my podcast and this person is in front of me and also there's going to be an audience later. Mm. Can you tell me more about maybe the style differences you've had to apply or learn for both of those things?
1: Yeah. Okay. I first started with uh, solo videos for quite a long time and then I started the podcast and I can tell you that the podcast is harder <laughs> <laughs> when you have a person. Uh, especially when you don't know much, that person, or you don't know, for instance, their prosody, how they speak. So if when they ask questions, I'm not sure, oh, I really get his intention or her mm-hmm, intention because I'm not familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Or they also have an accent because English is not the first language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so this is also... Ah,
0: uh, yeah, so they might be having trouble expressing as well and you're receiving information. So it makes a, a double barrier there.
1: And it happened at the start of the podcast, no one was native. So from <laughs> Turkey, Bulgaria, Canada, but from Saudi Arabia, living mm, in Canada mm-hmm. and so on.
0: And it's in real time, right? At least when you're recording the podcast, it's in real time. You're thinking about how comfortable is this person? Are we communicating effectively? Yeah.
1: Something realized. I, didn't realize, I yeah. think the first native was a British, I think, episode five. I didn't know him at all. So it was called. But after a while, you get into conversation, in, into mm. the flow. And then it's when the questions just flow out automatically. It's not like I am interrogating you with a microphone.
0: (laughs) We know each other. You know know I'm not here to get you.
1: It's more like a conversation.
0: Uh Okay, can we extend that? So solo videos, easiest of the three. Next one, podcasts. Difficult. It's live. It's with people who may or may not be on your same level of of knowledge about intonation. Now, I know that you're doing some interviews and you speak a lot now spontaneously in English Mm -hmm. too. How is that? Then, with the live, not live interviews that you're recording, but just conversations with people and asking them questions about work.
1: Yep. I'm in this state. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. So what happens is that you have the attention divided because you have to think what to do. You're actively listening to the other person. So the attention that is left to actually pay attention how to pronounce things, how to tone, it's super limited already because of all of the sources of information that Mm -hmm. your brain is already busy. Mm-hmm. So what happens that you cannot pay attention to exactly how you're saying it mm-hmm. or what you're saying. So for instance, I could slip some grammar mistake, but mm. let's say I do prioritize the intonation over the grammar. So if I have to do a mistake because it is what it is. It's too much information. Mm-hmm. I will have cognitive overload. I prefer a grammar mistake that you can still get the meaning. Before doing an intonation mistake, I interpret that I was, I don't know, rude, aggressive, bossing, or Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Like you said, they have this heavier cognitive load when it's Mm. live in person. The stakes are higher probably when you're interviewing somebody because not only you're interviewing them, but in a way they're interviewing you. So they're paying attention to how you speak and how the company feels. Does it feel like a friendly environment? Things like that. And you have to make some choices and prioritize. So question, do you consciously say, I need to pay attention to my intonation more than my grammar right now? Is that something you've actively thought about?
1: I don't know, because for me, this is friendly. <laughs> it's, okay. It's, I mean, we have done hundreds of, and since I don't see any audience now. I don't yeah. have this pressure. It's just the mm-hmm. two of us now. I'm just focusing more on what to say rather than how.
0: Yes, the content is now the priority.
1: Because the questions are not prearranged. Yeah. Rehearsed. yeah. I don't know what you were be asking.
0: And for example, I know you'd be comfortable with that because we see each other a lot. <laughs> so I knew we didn't have to really write everything down. But for other people, yeah. I know they really want some handholding. And I'll say, oh, this is what we're going to talk about. This is what I'll ask you. Is this OK? Because maybe yeah. I don't know them well enough. Or we don't have that same level of comfort.
1: Not that you mentioned, this is one of the things that you can easily tell from a YouTube video. Mm. When well, it has been scripted, or mm-hmm. rehearsed that it doesn't sound casual enough is this person perhaps repeated this 10 times over and mm-hmm. over, a director filming yep. a movie, yep. I want this or let's repeat because I want this little detail mm-hmm. change or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. And when you are spontaneous, first, there's no second chance. It's already done because it's life. You cannot mm-hmm. go back and repeat and edit and so on. And it's natural. So I don't know how to describe it properly with technical terms, but you have a feeling That, oh, this is the first time he's saying this and Mm -hmm. it's genuine. For instance, in my videos, I have one tagline, how I introduce people, incremental
0: greetings.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it it started with a joke, but now it's part of the channel. So you can see that I see it however I feel that moment. So if Mm -hmm. you play different videos, you will see that most of the time. I start the same way, but how I intonate incremental greetings changes. Because it's not something that is edited and I just put it in every time. Mm-hmm. I say it out loud every single time. And you can see, oh, I was sick or I was more happy than usual. <laughs> so I was more euphoric. <laughs> and actually I get some comments mm. that, oh, you're especially euphoric in this video.
0: Oh, like, oh, people know yeah, They it's... Because they know your patterns. Oh, that's great. Because yeah. when we were speaking earlier about knowing the person and knowing if they're gonna get that meaning behind my intonation about what you're saying, If you know the person even better, you can pick up on those very subtle differences. For example, I used to work in a place where nobody liked the boss and we would sit at a meeting and you have to sound a certain way in a meeting. Mm -hmm. But also we all had like inside jokes, right? And we would say things in a slightly different way. And some of us got the joke and it was meant to be that other people didn't. So we could use that you could play with it if you knew what the person was normally like and hey wait a minute they're not saying that in the way that i would normally expect them yeah then you know something's going on
1: it's not the baseline it's something is different from Uh the baseline
0: Uh or the normal thing and you've got people who watch you all the time so they know hey wait a minute something's different here in the intonation
1: yeah and there's here something very interesting my brother who, for many years, he was super used to my voice because Mm -hmm. we have been been living together with uh, our parents. Mm -hmm. So what happens, the difference is the language, it's English. We never spoke each other in English, but it's the same voice. So what happens, he watched one of my videos, he doesn't understand much English, so he doesn't get what I'm saying most mm. of the time. What he focus is on the pronunciation, not the meaning, because he doesn't understand most of the language. And the first thing he said when I did the one recap of one event, that I was really all for it, and I started clapping because it is what I felt. This is how you show enthusiasm. Oh, so lame. That's <laughs> But that's the difference. So someone yeah. from miles away in different countries that have never seen me, oh, you're enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. And one person who is super familiar with me says the exact opposite. Oh, how lame. But uh, not is familiar
0: th- th- with you in English, right? That was the point. Not familiar
1: in English. Yeah. Yes,
0: yes, yes. He knew you very well, but he didn't know how you expressed yourself in that other language, right? That's yeah. the interesting point, too, I think. Wow, wow.
1: But it was the same video. I exactly. had the opposite feedback from other uh-huh.
0: people. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you could say, yeah. Oh, this is my brother. He's just making fun or he's just trying to tear me no, no, down. He no,
1: really I thought in that really? video that was lame, that uh, uh-huh. the context doesn't match. You say you're euphoric uh-huh. Uh-huh. and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm super happy. Oh, how oh, oh, cool. Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah, because in some languages, if you're too expressive, let's say if your intonation's all over the place, then they're going to think, I don't know, you're just being silly or that you're not being taken seriously, things like that. So in some languages, hmm. you really need to do the opposite. You need to flatten down your tone. I imagine that in some languages I sound completely ridiculous because my intonation is very dramatic for them.
1: That is something that shows how important the intonation is. Because if there's no meaning because you don't understand the language, you just have the impression through the tone, like music in a foreign language, you don't understand the language but you know, it's a sad song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's broken or whatever. And mm-hmm. you can understand this feeling, even if you don't understand the lyrics. It's by the mm-hmm. tone and exactly. all of this. Exactly. So, with that video, in a few 10 seconds, he already noticed that. The only difference is the intonation.
0: Because he couldn't I, tell the vocabulary. He didn't know the words, but he was mm-hmm. listening to the music of the song.
1: Uh, exactly. Uh-huh. And just now, I already modulated more than usual my intonation in into the last oh. minute.
0: And <laughs> perfect. And it sounds great to me. To me, this is what like an American audience would be expecting, right? Or American ears are expecting more highs and lows, more ups and downs, a lot more variation in your pitch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And something I noticed quite recently with my girlfriend, when she speaks on the phone with people from her country, Dominican Republic, is a good example because it's the same language, Spanish, but Mm -hmm. different region. And I noticed when I am on the call with them is, oh, wait, wait a second, I shift. How I do questions, and the next time I speak in English, I don't do the switch, and I have to warm up, let's say to, uh,
0: to- <laughs> warm up <laughs>
1: yeah. warm up uh, my mind that, that my mind starts switching the mode to ask questions. yeah and I do the what's called the, the machine gun
0: mm-hmm. da
1: da, 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 da. wait English is not like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, let me. Know. <laughs> exactly,
0: and you might be doing one, two, three, probably four kinds of code switching just you alone. You've got your Catalan, you've got your Spanish, you've got when you speak to your girlfriend's family like her Dominican Spanish, hmm. and then you've got English. Tell me if I'm forgetting anything, but that's at least four different codes that you're switching between. Not just vocabulary, not just grammar, not just language, but also like how you're expressing yourself. Is that true?
1: Yeah, those are the languages I speak fluently. I studied more languages. But Mm. I wouldn't say I'm proficient enough to get into details of just intonation. I'm still Mm. just getting the intermediate level. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. But
1: what I notice now that this is a transferable skill. So now I do this in English because English, you have this freedom of speed as I just did, Mm. and so on. You can overdo it as much as you want. It's like (laughs) a superpower. So what they do now is that when I speak my native language, I do it. Mm -hmm. It's not the same because it's still syllable. uh, constraint. Yeah. But oh and I want to sound bossy. Boom. Here we have the intonation to San Bossy. Mm-hmm. For instance.
0: Mm. Oh
1: I want to sound that oh I asked this question a lot and I didn't get an answer. So I want to convey this idea that now I really want a reply with the tone. And it may sound like a joke, yeah. but I applied this with my dog, which by the <laughs> way I speak three languages with my dog. <laughs> <luck. laughs>
0: Your dog is trilingual. Yeah, <laughs> and g- good point. Like your brother, the dog doesn't understand the words, but it understands Absolutely. the tone behind the it's words. the tone.
1: Oh, so. So, funny. yeah, it's like off shit that mm-hmm. don't, don't move. I just change how to intonate it. And oh, it has a bigger effect now. Let me change the intonation. Oh, mm-hmm. now he is not, not obeying. Let's say, oh, wow. <laughs> Let me increase the pitch.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It may sound ridiculous, mm-hmm. but my dog doesn't judge me. So, no. <laughs> so I can be as silly as I want to, and uh-huh. I get always feedback.
0: Wow. You have like a perfect testing environment. It's just testing your intonation on your dog. I love it. I love it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And some golden nugget. It, it sounds silly, but it's a golden nugget. That is the first time I have a dog. I own a dog in my 30s. And it's a French bulldog, which happens to be, as according to what I have read, that it's not the most obeying breed. So what I did is, okay, let me read about how to, when you educate the dog.
0: Educate? When you train them. We usually say train.
1: Train. Okay. Mm -hmm. Train to sit, to eat, uh, Mm -hmm. the the basic commands. I do it in my native tongue because I want it. And since I do it with my voice, and then Mm -hmm. you do the prize with with a a treat.
0: A treat. Yeah, a
1: treat. Okay. Treat. What happens that he was only obeying with my tone, which is (laughs) quite low. Uh-huh. So, when my girlfriend was saying the same command, he was not responding to the yeah, commands. It's, yeah. oh, now try it with uh, this low your pitch.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: Wait. So, I noticed that he was only being responsive in a yep. certain low range. So, whatever it was high, he was hearing nothing. Nothing. I know that I did a lot of silly things with him. Now, regardless of the tone, he gets it. <laughs>
0: You've so trained now, the dog, the dog trained you. and which intonation (laughs) patterns he liked. And now you get to train the dog however you want.
1: (laughs) Exactly, so no, regardless of perhaps a person who has never seen him, say this word uh, and he does it.
0: Done. Wow, how very interesting. I think that there's an interesting connection there between, like we were saying, the pronunciation versus the music, the prosody, and how your brother was reacting, how you got the dog to react. And I was gonna ask you another question, actually about your girlfriend's family. So do you happen to switch or do you happen to notice anything about the musicality about how they speak in Dominican Republic? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So what happens for instance, most of the calls are with her grandma, which is super hard to understand for me, Mm -hmm. but not because of the jargon he may be using or the slang that Mm -hmm. differs from Spain. Since she's older, she has a very strong pattern of the region, mm-hmm. like the syllables, she smashed some vowels to so the next syllable or the yeah, previous, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's a different pattern is, what did he say? Most of the time, I would say that even, it's 50-50, I have to ask my girlfriend, what have she said? Has, <laughs> in Spanish, uh, yes.
0: <laughs> in,
1: it's, it's talking in Spanish because mm-hmm. I didn't get it. I get words in that, but it's like and a smash in a different mm-hmm. way. Instead of a machine gun, it's yeah. like a revolver, let's say, uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's a weapon, but Oh, it's the musicality is so different. But my brain doesn't register when one mix. word ends and starts uh-huh. the other one, the uh-huh. next one. This kind Which of thing. Which is also
0: interesting because you do that in English, right? You re-bracket yeah. the words and you pick out the things from the smashing. But it's funny because you're in Spanish mode, but then you've got to apply that other thing. And I bet that takes because a of
1: different... Because I'm not familiar. Because in Spain, usually we don't have Im- immigration coming from those countries. But for instance, Argentinian and Spanish yep. or Colombian. Since we have more uh, people here that came to Spain, I have more exposure to those accents. You
0: can say those songs, that music. Those
1: Uh songs. So even if it's taught by native, I don't speak that region. Since I'm having the passive input, I'm familiar enough and I understand 100%. So I have no trouble. But for the ones that are quite different and I don't have any exposure, and especially old people, I don't have issues with the young generation. Yeah, some, perhaps it's, okay, I don't get this word because I know it's local from this country or mm-hmm. it's a slang, something that it won't be in the dictionary, but I do understand what they say. But these older people who has a super specific pattern yeah. and it's like more pronounced.
0: Not to make a <laughs> pun on pronunciation, it's more pronounced. Oh,
1: oh, oh my God. I was, oh I did a pun without realizing it. <laughs> yes.
0: yes. It's more pronounced. And it's funny, too, because everyone says, oh, this person's accent is very thick. I don't have an Everyone has an accent. Everyone has an accent. But grandmas and grandpas everywhere, they have different accents because of their generation, because of their time. Uh, the generation yeah. gap,
1: yeah. Because the language is dynamic <laughs> with the cultures and people speaking. So when you go back 50 years ago, there's a significant difference from today.
0: And I was going to ask you if you think there is anything related to, let's say, just internet, global reach right now. Do you think that it's something that's happening to the younger generation because we're all more connected and that's changing things? Mm -hmm. That's
1: absolutely a big factor Mm -hmm. that let's say the younger generation are more universal because now you get exposure to a lot of different regions, accents, and Mm -hmm. cultures so easily. Yes. So you can go through YouTube. Just going with viral videos, whatever you may want to see. And you will see someone from Great Britain, American, Canadian, different ages. Mm-hmm. There's not many old all, all people in YouTube, but yeah. there are YouTubers who are, are old. Yeah. You have a lot of input that 50 years ago, it was impossible.
0: Yes. And with, if you listen to uh, old radio technology. programs, old radio shows, old TV shows, you can see which ones are very regional. The regional accents, mm. they seem to be sticking out more.
1: The other aspect is that now it's also easier to move and to travel in the opposite part of the earth, if you want. So what happens for a very typical from uh, American shows, at least the ones I see that is, oh yeah, I'm from New York, but I have lived in California, in Massachusetts. Nah, so most of the time you have been in New York, but you have been in four different states for a couple of years. So you get a mix of accents and I think now it's more common than before. The people have a tendency to move because there's more freedom to move now. And you have remote job and so on. So now it's, oh, you don't have the accent from New York and that's it. Now it's, there's a Spanish uh, expression, potty.
0: Oh, okay. That? Means
1: a mix of everything. Now it's not as easy as this is West Coast or East Coast or specific mm. to this state or even this city.
0: Uh-huh. Yes, there's, I think we have a similar word. Is it like when you... Ah mix things so we say popurri how do you say it in spanish yeah, popurri ah okay similar enough and it's almost like a we mosaic eat, yeah. right it's a mix of different things that are coexisting yeah. together yes yeah. it's at least in the united states society it's pretty often to move from when you're a kid maybe to go to university go somewhere else and here yep. And at least spend a lot of time in different places. I imagine that's more true for Central and South America than in Spain, but maybe I'm wrong there. Do people in Spain move around a lot and you can hear those accent differences? Because you mentioned a lot how there's so many varieties in Spanish. It's more narrow. The Let's say the mm. box that you're putting your prosody in, but there's a lot of more subtle differences that I never would have expected.
1: Yeah. For instance, coming back with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. she spoke the Dominican Republic Spanish for 18 years until she moved here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now what happens is that Sheila, let's quote unquote, she lost mm-hmm. some of the accent. Her family is what they say, oh, why you talk like an a Spaniard? When they have a video call, they do notice that you have been Gradually losing the the accent, mm. the, this intonation. Mm-hmm. But she still has this. I can feel the difference. She still has an influence. But it's a mix. And someone else that comes from Argentina has been living 20 years here. Also have lost a little, has mixed, merged the accents. Let's suppose that they have children here. So they have even a more inbreed of accents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day... As long uh, as it's understood. Yeah, so I don't see it's so important. Unless you are a voiceover artist or something that relates specifically to the yeah, accent yeah. or an actor, for the average person, it doesn't matter.
0: Do people on the street, let's say, notice some other people's accent? And even if they can't see them, do they notice how they sound and it sounds mixed to them? And are there any reactions, any language biases, anything like that happens in Spain?
1: Yeah, that, there is language biases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For instance, the accent from the South, no need to say names, just from the South, the Pacific is the most distinct accent because they drop a lot of sounds. And what happens that conveys the, the bias that they are less educated. Quote, unquote, you don't know how to pronounce Spanish properly because Mm -hmm. you're dropping so many sounds in between. But it just happens that it's the accent they have.
0: Exactly. It's that correlation. So the same thing happens in the United States, unfortunately. Like, if you have an accent from the South, often that's perceived as maybe being uneducated. It's Mm. horrible, but then that's the same bias that often exists for the only reason of some people wanting to feel or be superior. But, yeah, it's a holdover from the past.
1: Yeah, it happens to be that the accent in the capital uh, Madrid, is the exact opposite of the spectrum. They pronounce everything that it's written. They usually don't drop anything. So mm-hmm. it has the major distance with the capital. Mm-hmm. And what happens usually? That the capital becomes the action of reference.
0: Yep, the standard.
1: Exactly, the, the standard. So the more you differ from the standard, the more likely you're going to get biases. Yeah. That.
0: And many, not just like a, let's say, intellectual bias, but also socioeconomic, political issues can come up. So many things can be attached to that. That shouldn't Hmm.
1: be. Just based on how people ask questions, you could get their social status. Because if it's a, let's say it's a boss or a manager or what's called a public speaker, usually those jobs are well paid. So you could get, as a well that just how people ask questions can give you a hint. Mm
0: -hmm. Not just
1: their education, but their job.
0: I bet there's studies out there. I haven't come across them myself, but I'm sure they exist about how there's a correlation between Mm. voice for sure. What does this person sound like? What am I picturing in my head based on my biases, based on my experience? What does this person actually look like? I know there are definitely Mm. some with race, with gender as well, but intonation is a great idea. Imagine if you just focused on the pitch patterns of the voice and you said, how much money do you think this person makes? Where do you think they live? What do they do for their vacations? Can they take vacation?" I wonder how much we subconsciously attribute to those intonation patterns.
1: Or the race, how old is, th- is a speaker, this uh-huh. person? Just for how they intonate the questions.
0: Exactly, yeah. If you knew English, Spanish, whatever, if you knew the different kind of patterns of how my parents speak, how my grandmother spoke, how that was maybe from videos or movies, and you had a bit of a reference, maybe then you could guess. You could guess, oh, This sounds like a person that grew up in the 1940s in the U.S. Because I've seen a lot of those movies, for example. Something like that.
1: But perhaps this is more like a trivia kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. I have the talent, the ability. I go to Americans Got Talent. Put the person behind me and I will Mm -hmm. guess their age just for the speaking pattern. That that will be kind of niche. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's important for communication. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, you just ask questions or intonate. To mm-hmm. convey intentions, mm-hmm. not just the uh, words you're saying. And that's the most important thing, communication.
0: So communication, and we mentioned earlier how knowing that this pattern has a purpose, that helps me mm-hmm. communicate better. And the other thing that we haven't talked about yet is how the intonation pattern comes from emotions as well. Am I being enthusiastic?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm not a professional. So what happens if I record a video and that day I'm more enthusiastic? This will show, this will uh, pop up in my body language, intonation Mm -hmm. and so on. And if I do a video because it's time and I do it because it's my job, I have to drill the YouTube algorithm and I do it and it's a drill. You can see people who doesn't communicate this enthusiasm. So since I do it for free, and I know I will never be able to monetize this channel because it's so niche, usually people, they say that, oh, thank you for your videos that they were useful and so on. But sometimes some people said, I didn't learn anything because I already know what you mm. presented in this video, but you helped me to introduce this software again, because I gave up because the lighting curve is quite steep. Yeah. So just because of your enthusiasm on your videos, now I have the motivation to start over again, even if it's not my intention, because my intention is how to do this, how to do that. It's a how-to video, (laughs) it's not a motivational video. But for instance, when I was talking with my dog, you you could, I guaranteed that you could feel my intonation was different from baseline. Because for me, it's very enthusiastic that, oh, wow, I learned all of this as a stupid thing, as talking to my dog. Who would have told me that how I maybe improve my English intonation, Mm -hmm. especially in questions, was through talking to my dog. It sounds (laughs) like a drink.
0: I'm telling you the secret, people get a dog, not a cat. Yeah. Get a dog. <laughs> your intonation will improve. Wouldn't it be so interesting if you could do a video of you talking to your dog, your <laughs> girlfriend, and the dog responds or the dog doesn't respond? And then you can make it like oh, a quiz. Oh, wow. I
1: should start a uh, TikTok. Get on this, with this.
0: Exactly. No, no. How to train your dog with intonation in English. That would be perfect. Yes. And do you remember yeah, recently there was there's a woman we know and we talk to quite frequently. She's a voiceover artist from Egypt. And so when she coach switches when she switches to English. Her English is Hmm. fabulous. And her job is such that as a voiceover artist, she needs a lot of intonation. So she's really highly trained, let's say, in intonation. Do you remember just a few days ago, she came on and she was talking like this and it was really flat for her. And then later we're like, so what's going on with you today? And there had been earthquakes in Egypt. And it's not like she planned it, right? It's not like she thought, I'm going to speak with a low tone today, a very flat tone. No, but we could tell in her voice, right? Even though it wasn't her first language because she just had done this so much that I don't think she ever practiced a script where that was the target intonation. But now it was just coming out because it was so natural to her. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, because it's unconscious Mm -hmm. and these do transfer. So even if it's not in your native language, the emotion is raw. The emotion doesn't understand language.
0: If you are feeling down, let's say, but then you have to go to a wedding, let's say the same day, then you might want to be able to control that. And you might want to be able to say, Okay, I recognize how I'm sounding right now and I wanna change that. And so I think it's an amazing skill. And it reminded me of how if in your first language, you don't have that freedom to be all over the place in tone and you're stuck in that box, I imagine maybe it would be more difficult for you to hide emotions when that you don't want other people to see or that it's more difficult because of that subtlety what do you yeah, think yeah it's more
1: that? subtle because mm-hmm. of how the language is spoken it's easier to hide your emotion
0: because you just don't have to do that little thing that you would know if
1: you want a tip or let's say you're in a bad mood or you are sad for whatever reason and if you have a wedding or an important meeting or whatever that mm-hmm. oh, i don't want to transmit this feeling is talking to your dog My to could be a, a cat or that whatever knows. <laughs> because now I discovered that certain tone and how I do the enthusiasm, he gets super happy, excited, and he's now ready to go for a walk or whatever. I could do the opposite. He's too energetic. It's super late at night. And just by how I speak he's calm down, mm-hmm. relax with the touching involved, which helps a lot with dogs. If this happens in real life, and you want enthusiasm. Talk to your dog. If he gets enthusiastic, <laughs> you achieve that goal. <laughs> so you are sad. And since I see you sad, I become sad. Mm-hmm. How you mm-hmm. say it? It's what, almost contagious for, in a way. That sounds like a disease. Yeah, it it's rubs like, off on you. Yeah, that empathy thing. And mm-hmm. So now it's easier to feel this enthusiasm myself. Perhaps it will just fade out after. I mean, not 20 after 20 minutes later, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Later, but you start to feel it. You start emitting top energy. I don't do this on purpose, but it just happened. Mm-hmm. that most of the meetings I do almost every day is, oh, how, how are you doing? I always say awesome or something. <laughs> if I'm enthusiastic, unless I'm sick. When I'm sick, you can only really tell I'm yeah. sick because I speak like <laughs> I don't have life inside. But it's not that I do fake. Oh, I want to sound enthusiastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a good actor. I do this unconsciously and it was by serendipity. I never actually intended to have this skill. And now looking back is, oh, wow, actually I can transfer this skill. I can use it for learning English. But it's not limited to English. So if I learn any other language, I can do it the same thing. So now my dog is trilingual. He can be a polyglot.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: he doesn't speak a word, but he's a polyglot because he understands yeah, all was... of our intonation. Yeah.
1: yeah, so any command can be done in in three languages. Mm-hmm. And he will get he's it.
0: fluent, he's just not correct <laughs> in his ah. in his speech. He makes lots of yeah. mistakes in his pronunciation, but he's fluent in his speech. That reminds me of actually have you heard of like how our body can influence our emotions? For example, maybe you've heard of something called like a power pose, right? So if I, before hmm. I go to an interview, I'm going to make a pose and that's going to make me feel more powerful, more confident, something like that.
1: No, there's science behind Absolutely. this. You get dopamine or whatever chemical in your brain.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, feel on a chemical level, feel in my heart. It, it transfers, causes. That reaction. Mm. Whereas a lot of people think, oh, I have to have the feeling first and then I'll have the physical thing. But really, it's the other way. But maybe, maybe if we speak in a tone that is our aspiration, oh, mm. I'm a little bit down today, but I speak like I'm happy. Maybe then I'll become happy. Maybe we can transfer it even more or cause that chain reaction even more. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, it's not as easy as that because we are not Mm -hmm. robots with Mm -hmm. switches, but it can help, yeah, Mm -hmm. to tolerate the mood. The same as like
0: laughter therapy, for example. This might be another tool in your toolkit to help you have the feelings that you want to have.
1: That's an example. When I'm sick, that I don't feel good and so on, but I still show up in some meetings, you can really hear, even if I'm not aware that, oh, I don't want to be here, I want to be sleeping, (laughs) I don't feel good, I have a headache. But what happens that even if I would do this, to speak like enthusiastic and so on, it's a disease, so the disease doesn't go away. But you can cushioning, let's say, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, people with better mood live longer and live better and Mm -hmm. it's just the mood. It's not that they have better genetics or whatever. Yeah,
0: it's what you do with it. And I think, maybe I'm stretching here but i'm going to end with a little fake slogan fake tagline Ready okay. for this improve your intonation improve your life
1: <laughs> yeah fa- 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 I, I, when you said this slogan is i think it will, it will be this one
0: <laughs> exactly perfect let's end with that today and i want to say thanks so much for joining me today i'll see you very soon and we'll talk more about what? more interesting topics
1: yeah my pleasure see
0: you soon see you. bye bye see for you. now If you found this episode helpful in any way, please subscribe and leave a review. It's actually really helpful to me. Now, before I go, I have two tasks for you to do. First, I want you to register and come to my free monthly masterclass. They're on the last Thursday of the month. In just one hour, you're going to master a specific American accent skill. For example, the TH sound or rhythm. The Zoom registration link actually changes each month. So the second and maybe more important thing I wanna ask you to do is to sign up for my mailing list because you're gonna get the registration link each month And you're going to get bonus materials before and after the masterclass that I only send to my email list subscribers. The email opt-in link is down in the show notes. Be sure to sign up for my mailing list and come to the monthly masterclass for free. I'm Bianca, your personal American accent coach, and I want you to know that your voice is your choice. Thanks for sticking around to the end of the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.